Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Good morning, everybody. Do you know that you're here this morning because you're meant to be here? So I'm, I'm really delighted to see you. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous, and if it wasn't for the fact that I felt that the Lord has put this on my heart to share with you, I would have rung in sick this morning. <laughs> um, no, seriously, uh, the Lord, as Tom said, has been showing me over the past few months what he wants me to say, and I, I just could not keep it to myself. And uh, it's actually quite surreal standing here sharing this. Um, it was only a few weeks ago that Wish uh, started her talk by saying that she feels a responsibility, uh, like a, a challenge, really, for what she was about to share. When she said that, I, sat, I was sitting at the back there, that's normally where I sit, and I was thinking, I wonder if she's going to share the same thing that I'm going to share. And sure enough, she did. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was just amazing. It's amazing how the Lord has his way of emphasising things, stressing things, and uh, impress upon, impressing upon us how important his word is. So, and I feel that same challenge and responsibility, and I had to share this. Wish spoke a, a great word about truth. Although she took a different emphasis to what I'm going to share today, you'll see that we dovetail a bit. And... Um, so we're going to go, be going on a little bit of a journey because I want you to see how the Lord caught my attention. A few months ago, back to the few months ago, when the Lord gave me this word, I can remember it distinctly because it was March the 27th, which was the day uh, Tyler, Donna and Caleb were leaving the church. Sunday morning, I was getting ready for church, and, um, you know, this came to my head, and I'm just going to tell you what came, this is what came to mind. The details and the outline of the program called Long Lost Family, that's what came to my mind. Now, that came from nowhere. And I, I stood there just thinking about it. Now, for those of you that have never seen it and don't know, it's about people that have been separated, uh, abandoned, and then fostered or, or adopted at birth by their parents or by, by a parent. And, um, of course, the natural desire is to, to search for your loved one or search for you know, your family. And this programme, that's what the focus is. Most of it is very emotional. When siblings and half-siblings who've never met, they come together 
or the parent sees their son or their daughter for the first time ever or, or the first time since they were a baby. One of the things that always grieves me when I watch this program, and I don't watch it that often because I, I end up an emotional wreck, um, is that the wasted years, decades in between when they, they, they haven't found their family and they've been literally decades before they see them again. You get parents that um, have been bruised for years because of the guilt that they've held and just that sadness and that heaviness on them. And even when they get together with their, their families, they've asked them to forgive them. So you can imagine those years of feeling incomplete and guilty. These reunions can sometimes result in a satisfying ending. Um, but that's not always the case. Some people never find their loved ones, or when they find out about them, they found out, find out they've died, you know, some years ago. So here I am, Sunday morning, getting ready. As I record some of the details of the program, I found myself standing there just thinking about it with my eyes closed. And I felt that the Lord was saying, there are many people looking for truth. People that need the security of belonging. People that don't know who they are. People that feel displaced, confused, sad, broken people. People that don't know who I am. I felt that's what he was saying to me. And I just, well, it's like, what do I do with this? So, anyway, the days and the weeks are going by and the months are going by and I felt like the Lord was giving me something almost every week, like a verse here or there. It might be um, like a, a, a song or a hymn, something that I've never, not sung for a long time or a scripture that's come to mind. And I knew that I had to speak about this. There are thousands of thousands upon, yeah, thousands upon thousands of people that aren't just in the situation where they've lost their families because there are people that have been brought up in a home where they've had all that they've needed but they still feel displaced, they still feel lost, they still feel broken. And... Um, you know, they may have had the security of a home, but that feeling of loss is perhaps very similar. And I know that until we find the Lord Jesus, we all have that emptiness and that, that void in our lives. Until we know who Jesus is and we find him for ourselves and he speaks to us and, and ministers to us, we, we're in the same situation as those that are looking for their families. From that point on, like I say, the Lord was showing me something every week. And um, I almost feel like this talk could run for three weeks. Um, because when I was learning about truth, 
God's truth, biblical truth, I felt it had a lot to do with righteousness. It had a lot to do with justice. It had a lot to do with love. And it all comes together. And that's why God came, wasn't it? Because he, had, he, uh, he loves us so much. In our secular world, truth is being challenged all the time. We hear about people that say, you have your truth and I have mine. That truth is relative. This suggests that truth is all about perspective and personal opinions. Truth these days is more about being politically correct and respecting what somebody else says, no matter what is said. I know this is quite a long intro, but I'm going to ask Giovanni at the back to put on the first slide, please. Oh, it's lost its colour. The first, just the first one. Oh, it's, it's just lost its colour a bit. Oh, is it coming? Anyway, you, I, I'm just pointing it out because you can see we've got the scales behind there. And um, I know you, you're probably very familiar with these words. Um, we associate these words, don't we? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth with court cases where witnesses are called to give their version of events. You might have various witnesses that testify about the same thing where sometimes the so-called first-hand accounts are contradictory. The law, the judge, the jury should be impartial. There should not be any ulterior motives. Um, they should be really all working together to arrive at the same place. And, um, of course, evidence plays uh, a big part in the proceedings. The law should be on the side of justice, wanting to get to the truth so that people are fairly treated. Almost 2,000 years ago, the most unjust trial took place, a terrible miscarriage of justice. It was full of illegalities and made a mockery of justice. Mock trials were held in the middle of the night and the early morning in secret. There were no witnesses, no one to defend the Lord. In fact, the guilty verdict was decided on very quickly and very easily. I'm just going to give you a tiny background and then we'll move on a little bit. So we've just had communions, which was like the, the after part, but what preceded... Um, uh, was when Jesus was in the garden and Judas knew exactly where to find him because he knew that's where they all used to meet up. Jesus would meet up with his disciples in that garden. So he knew where to find him. So he arrived with the Pharisees and officials and soldiers. There was a great big mob of them. And when they arrived, Jesus asked them who they were looking for. They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am. Now, I am held a, 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 like a, 
a weighty position, really. It was that the men were so startled that he said, I am, meaning I am God, um, that they fell back. They sort of stumbled and fell backwards. Now, to me, I, I read that and I think, do you know, if that happened to me, I would have been out of there. But they stood their ground. They'd, they'd come to arrest Jesus. Now, I am, as I said, um, is how God chose to name himself. By Jesus saying, I am, was a declaration of his divinity. In Ju Judaism, the name is considered to be so sacred that it's not spoken. You don't say that. You, you, there's another word. If you, maybe if you look in the, the um, book, there'd be another word, not that word, because it, you just can't say that. So Jesus said, if you're looking for me, let these men go, because he was surrounded by all his disciples. And this is when we get Peter coming up, and he cuts off the ear of um, one of the high priest's servant. And Jesus tells him to put your sword away. You know, he knew that this could all go wrong here, and there was a plan, wasn't there, that he would put the cross. There was no point Peter trying to defend him, because that wasn't part of God's plan at all. So he heals the man's ear. Okay, so let's go to the um, next one. Okay, so here we are. Jesus is faced with six different trials. So I, I just want to run through this very quickly. So the first one, the preliminary hearing, was before the high priest. He was the, uh, the former high priest called Annas. And um, so Jesus was arrested and he was taken to Annas. Annas uh, had been given that role as a high priest. And the Jews thought if you're given that role, even if you're not the present high priest, you still hold that role. So he had authority. Everyone knew who he was. And... Um, the religious leaders were in a hurry. They wanted Jesus executed that night so that they can get on with the Passover, Passover feast, the Passover celebration. So Jesus responds by saying that he has spoken openly in synagogues and temples. Um, yeah, I, I think let's just... He's still at that first place. So I'm just going to go through that quickly. Um, hearing, he then had his hearing before Caiaphas, who was the, the present high priest and the Sanhedrin. And then that, we went on to another one with Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. First hearing before uh, Pilate. And then a hearing before Herod. And the last hearing again before Pilate. So they, they come to get him. They've taken him to all these places. But just before then, um, when they're questioning him, Annas is questioning him, he res Jesus responds by saying that he openly speaks in synagogues and temples where other people were present. And why are they questioning him? Ask them. They're, they're the witnesses. And... and um, one of the 
soldiers, I believe, or one of the officials, hits Jesus at this time. He strikes him in the face. And Jesus said, if I said something wrong, testify as to what I've done wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? So, sorry, I've, I've gone back. So now we're at the hearing before Caiaphas. So then Jesus was taken, that question not, not got answered by anybody. They didn't have anything to say because they're guilty. Jesus was taken to Caiaphas, who was the son-in-law of Annas. Um, he was the present high priest, and he was the one that made the final decisions. Again, Jesus is questioned about his teachings. And while all this was going on, Peter, who was fairly nearby, had been recognized by various people, but he denied knowing the Lord. Now, I know you know all of this. I just wanted to, for you to see the timeline. It was suggested by Caiaphas that Jesus should be executed. Manipulation was going on. And when they saw that they couldn't get an answer they wanted from the Lord, they accused the Lord of being against Caesar. Now, that's the kind of thing that would have got the Roman officials listening. We can't get him on religious grounds, him saying that he's the, the Lord. We get him on a, an area that the Romans will be interested in, in that he's opposing Roman law and opposing Caesar. So like I say, he had um, six trials, three before the Jewish authorities where they found him guilty. They condemned him to death on religious grounds, but only the Roman government could grant the death sentence. So you see, Jesus is taken to, to Pilate, then Herod, who wanted to see him do miracles. He really couldn't care less what was going on, but he, he wanted to meet this man. Jesus didn't answer their questions. Herod sent him back to Pilate. The Roman authorities found Jesus not guilty. Now, Pilate was frightened that there would be a great big uproar amongst the Jewish authorities. He was worried that he'd lose his job. He knew that Jesus was innocent, but he, he said that uh, Jesus would be a rival to the Roman Empire. So he just flogged Jesus and he sent him off. To back to the, the Jewish authorities. And, um, yeah, we know that Jesus took the place of somebody else, Barabbas. Barabbas was due to be crucified, but the Jewish authorities were saying, let him come out, let him, him come out, crucify Jesus. So here we have um, Jesus replacing Barabbas. We have the truth exchanged for a lie. 
Barabbas was a well-known criminal. He was a liar. He was a murderer. You name it, he'd done it. But they wanted him. Very, very unfair. Very unfair. Um, the whole trial was a facade, really. Our dear Lord Jesus, who had never lied in his life, was crucified for telling the truth. Um, I think it would be good if we had that, that next slide now. So let's... Yeah, we're going back a little bit. So he's handed over, but I just want... There was a few things I wanted to point out. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? The next one, please. Just, Am I a Jew? Uh, Pilate replies, meaning, you know, well, I'm not Jew. I didn't put you in this position. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. That was his truth is relative comment. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at a time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And of course they're saying, no, we want Barabbas. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so um, the Lord is crucified. Here we see that justice became what works, became what works at the time. We're seeing that a lot these days in the world, aren't we? That whoever's voice is the loudest, and it could be the majority, it could even be the minority. And we see in this world today that injustice is being done. Um, that some people are appeased because it's easier to to than facing the consequences of bad reviews, losing your job, being called all sorts of derogatory, insulting names. Sometimes people worry about their futures if they tell the truth. Where there is no basis for truth, there is no basis for moral right. 
or wrong. As believers, we know the truth. We know we can trust God's word. He is just. At the end of all of this, he is just. Tom's just spoken about life groups, and, you know, I love the life groups. I think that we need to read God's word for ourselves, but we need to come together as well, and that's what I really appreciate about life groups, for fellowship, but to study the word of God together, because we need it. We need it inside of us. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 30, every word of God is flawless. His word is invaluable, and we must live by it. Not on popular opinions or perceptions and points of view. You know, I notice we all love, they love a debate, don't they? You see them on the telly, you know, who's got the biggest voice, who's got the loudest, um, the last word. They love a debate, but, you know, that's, that's a nothing in, in many cases. We need God's word. Let's not fall into the trap of making God's word more palatable or more acceptable. It's not scriptural, but I like this, this phrase where it says, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Um, I, I really like that because for me, that says it all <laughs> in, in many respects. It, it, it um, you know, we... Stand on God's word. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. No, all other ground is sinking sand. I remember, remember we're saying that. I thought she's taken my line. But, but I'm saying it again. And do you know what? It still stands. It still stands. Uh, we need to stand firm, folks. We do. We really do. These aren't easy days to be living in. The world is looking at us, they're looking at the church, they're, our families and friends watch us, what we're doing. Some churches have almost apologised for sharing what God says in his word to people in the church, preaching safe sermons. Um, of course, we must preach about God's grace and his mercy and his love and forgiveness, but we must also preach about the sin that separates us from God. It's God's Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth, all truth. And we really need him. We do. I, I need him. I need him every day. I can't remember what the next slide is, so if we could just put it up. Oh, is that the next one? Okay, we're not there yet. <laughs> Nearly there. <laughs> so you've got a bit of a preview there. It's incredible how... Many things believers can disagree on in the word of God. We might not like what we read. We might not understand it all, um, God's ways. But to quote Robin, he's not here today, so I can do this. God is God and we're not. Yeah. That's what Robin says. He said it a couple of times, and I think that's a great phrase. And if Robin hasn't patented that phrase, I'm going to have it. <laughs> I'll say it's one of mine. <laughs> um, so, and do you know what? That line, in, in all respects, that's all we need to know. God is God, and we're not. Well, there may be many things we don't understand, or we don't like, we don't think it's fair, da-da-da-da. But 
God is God and we're not. We must not alter God's word, challenge it, because it doesn't fit in to our way of thinking, and certainly not in this secular world. People are being dismissed from their jobs because they stand on God's truth. Um, and, and are being told that the Bible undermines Peter, people's dignity. That's what they're being told. The Bible, which we stand on, the authority, which we stand on, it's like, for them, it's like, we're done with that. We don't need that. That's, that's um, undermines people's dignity. We as believers have a responsibility to live our lives according to biblical truth. We don't have to be militant, be impatient with people. We don't have to debate, debate for hours on end. We just need to share our testimonies. Being the people that God intends for us to be by being honest, compassionate, and loving. Let God do the rest. Let him do the rest. Let his Holy Spirit guide us, speak through us, minister through us. You're going to think that all I do is watch telly or refer to the TV, but I've got a very good one here. And recently... <laughs> recently um, there had been an advert, you might have seen it, an advert on the TV. Wait, I'm just going to have a little sip and then I'll continue. Yeah, on the TV about a young, insecure girl. It's a Dove advert, just to put a name to it so you might all remember this. The advert starts from the end where you see this girl has been made up, she's got beautiful hair and makeup and her lips have been plumped up and her cheeks, you know, she just looks gorgeous, really. But it's all done on filters, on people's uh, um, iPhones. Aren't you impressed that I know about this? <laughs> I don't know, I haven't got a clue about it, I just understand that's what they do and it changes your appearance. So you see this beautiful, made-up woman, almost very false, really. And, um, yeah, she's got these most gorgeous eyes and plump lips and everything's happening. And the likes on Facebook are mounting up. Like, oh, you look great, you look great, you look great. And then it unravels this. this that was the what you see first, and it unravels, and you see the filters. When the filters are removed, you're left with a young girl of about 13 instead of a girl that looks about 26. A young girl of about 13 that obviously doesn't think she's great looking. I think she's lovely. A young, you know, young girl, what can I say? I think she's, she's lovely. Um, and it's, it's the selfie culture that we live in. You know, you put all, all your news on the selfie, all that's going on in your life, it's wonderful. No one puts bad news of what's happening in their life, not really. Um, and, and also you put about you, really. And this is what's happening. And young people, I would say, 
I, I don't know for every young person, but I know it can be a big problem for young people. And that's why they made this advert that there are lots of young people out there who need affirmation, approval, acceptance. Young people that are looking to social media for this. We live in a world where the emphasis always seems to be about looks, status, and wealth. The lies of the enemy are destructive. We must pray for young people and all people that work with them. We must pray for wisdom for the ones that work with them. I think of Hannah and people that work in schools with young people and many other people. There's a group that works in this area that goes into schools and works with young people. A lot of those kids just do not know where they are and who they are. Some years ago, the Lord gave me a picture um, of people wandering the streets. And all these people were dressed up where they had... It was either a bandage on their leg or on their arm or around their head. And, and I, I remember seeing that these bandages were, some of them were like newly applied and others were falling off. Some of them were getting grubby and some of them um, were being tucked in by the people that wore them just to make them last. And... And I felt the Lord was saying that the world can only offer temporary solutions. And sometimes the solutions that the world offer to our young people and even to older people are more damaging, are even more damaging than the wound or the, the area that they're suffering with. And... Um, yeah, that, that, was, that came to mind, because that was years ago the Lord gave me that. And um, there's a psalm, Psalm 147, I think it's verse 3, where it says that the Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, he does a deep job, a complete job. There are many people that are going through difficult circumstances, poverty, issues with health, loss, trauma, loneliness, stress. They need to be listened to. They need to know about the love of God and that he cares about them. They need to know truth. There's no amount of positive vibes. Have you heard that? Oh, we'll send you positive vibes. Or inspirational verses. Inspirational verses. It's, it's, a, bit like, um, it's a bit like eating um, a bit of cucumber and hoping that will see you through the week really it, it, it there's no depth to an inspirational verse but we need to get to that depth with God's word um, the world as I say can only give us man-made and temporary fixes surgeries filters but it's the Lord that can satisfy the deep needs of hearts and lives it's God's truth that sets a captive free. Um, whilst preparing this, I was aware that the... the uh, yeah, I think I said this before, that it, it, this talk could, could have been separated out, so I'm really going through it quite quickly. 
behind all of this is a loving God that people don't know about, whether they're people that have been brought up with their own families, people that have been brought up without their families, and everyone in between, they all need to know who Jesus is. There has always been those that oppose God. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden, Satan appeared to Eve and put doubts in her mind about what God said? He even tried to um, uh, manipulate the Lord and tempt the Lord by twisting the word of God. There's always been an opposition to truth. Okay, I think I'm ready now for that. That one. So I've got here, well, what is truth? Does truth matter? Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. You know, when we stand on God's word and we stand on his truth, we are not going to veer here and veer there. But if everybody had a say in it, we'll all have pieces of this and pieces of that. It's just, that, that's no good. That's no good at all. I've got a quote. If you could put the next slide up. Ooh, can you see that? Yeah. Oh, good. I've got a lovely blue screen here, but it hasn't come up blue on there. You can still see the scales of justice a little bit. But anyway... Biblical truth is to be proclaimed with authority, not put on the table for discussion as one possible alternative to other points of view. I thought that was a very good quote. That's from John MacArthur, who's a pastor and a writer. Um, yeah, a good Bible teacher, really. Yeah, it's... I don't know what we think we're doing, really. We have the Bible here, and we've got so-and-so's point of view here, and so-and-so's, and so-and-so's, and we choose what we like. No. The Bible. The Bible is where truth is. The, it's truth that changes people's lives. What we believe determine how we behave. So... Back to that thing, is truth important? And why do we proclaim truth? I can't remember what comes next, Giovanni. Why should we proclaim truth? That's it. Truth is Jesus himself. He said it, didn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um... He said that he'd lead us into all truth. We have to arm ourselves with God's word. Ephesians tells us to put on um, the belt of truth that holds all things together. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I've just given you a couple of verses there, but I, you know, I'll just, just read. Um, Yeah, I, I've just got here, um, 
Luke 1, 37 tells us that no word from God will fail. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That was that passage that we read earlier, that everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And if you're hearing God's voice and you know what his word says, that you're, <laughs> you're a long way there, really, I would say. So I've gone, so the next one is truth tells us who we are. And, you know, there's so many people that need to know that, don't they? We have to believe what God says about us. And the only way to know what he says about us is to read his word. Now, you know, Psalm 139 is that beautiful passage that talks about that we, we're not separated from God. Where can I go from your spirit? And um, just that lovely relationship that the Lord knew us from before time in our mother's womb. Um, and I've got that, is it Jeremiah, yeah, Jeremiah 31 three there and that's just gone out of my head but anyway um maybe we can just look it up quickly let's look it up because i didn't type them all up uh, that was a good one to maybe one of you already know it by the time i've looked it up i can't remember there's so many that i was looking at just recently so that's the one. That's the one. He's loved us with an everlasting love. We need to know who we are in, in the Lord. Um, we need the spirit of truth now more than ever. We need his spirit to reveal himself to us. And then the last one that says truth is important because it silences the enemy. Uh, so I've got here, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and horn, or strength, um, of my salvation, my stronghold. We need, we need that. If, if, if the, the enemy is telling us things that are contrary to God's word, we need to know that, to know that's what God says about us, and silence him, um, and the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That's an, another one. We don't fear the enemy. We, we stand on God's word. And I've put here, praise and worship. The enemy doesn't like it at all. I love that song that says, praise is the weapon that silences the enemy. And yeah, we need to praise him. Praise God. We stand in his presence. If we invite God to where we are, like we did this morning, the enemy flees. doesn't like it at all. So like I say, we must feed ourselves on God's word. I'm sorry, I've gone over a little bit. Um, but I'm almost at the end. God, um, if we don't put God's word inside of us, the spirit of God can't help us to recall what he says. 
if we don't put inside of us his word, God's spirit, or if, let's put the, the reverse, if we read God's word and we put his word inside of us, God's spirit will remind us of those words when we need them, and we do need them all the time. Um, the enemy can bombard us with accusations, fill us with fear, we, we, hope, we feel hopeless and guilty. Truth is a protection against error. It guides us, it strengthens us, it gives us wisdom um, and courage and boldness. Let's ask for boldness. I just wanted to finish, I've come to the end now really, with this testimony. And it's always good to share something that it's not, oh, I heard this because I heard that and it, it came from that and so far away you'd, you've lost the details. This one is very close to home. This is my son Andrew's testimony. Some years ago when Andrew was in his third year at university, he got chatting to an older student. They were in the student cafe or bar or whatever it was at me. Uh, and um, he didn't know this person very well. He was an older person. He was in his last year university. And uh, the man was an alcoholic and had a string of failed relationships which triggered an overwhelming depression and made him feel worthless. Andrew told him that he was a believer. He believed the Lord can change his life. And he said, you know, if ever I feel low, I, I pray to the Lord. And he asked the man if, if he wanted him to pray for him. And he said, yes. It was the first time that anyone had ever prayed for him before. He thanked Andrew. And Andrew told me that he never saw him again after that point for, you know, not for ages. Um, and like I say, it was that man's final year of university. Four years later, Andrew received this message on Messenger on Facebook. So I'm gonna read it to you because it's, it's in the man's language and it will sound better. So he says, hi Andrew, how are you doing mate? You look really well. So Andrew probably had some photos on Facebook. I hope you're happy. I wanted to say something to you. I wanted you to know that time we sat and prayed together, that has always stayed with me. Sorry. Your kindness never left me, mate. It helped me stop drinking because let's face it, I was a bad alcoholic. Um, but now I'm a father. I have a three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old son called Isaac and a seven-month-old daughter called Nova. Um, those prayers assisted me in letting go of the past. And for all... Yeah, letting go of the past once and for all with an amazing woman who is now my wife. I just wanted to let you know, mate, you made a difference to me through your kindness. 
Andrew told me that some years ago, and every time I think about it, I just think, well, you know, I wonder how many opportunities we miss. I wonder how many opportunities I miss to just be me and to just tell people about the Lord, to pray for them, to, you know, be Jesus to them. You know, Andrew could have just said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. You know, I'm sorry that you're going through such a difficult time and left it at that. But that opportunity was taken and it made a difference. And I can't tell you what's happened to that guy. I, I just don't know. It, you know, I don't know whether he he's following the Lord. But that's the first step, isn't it? That's a very good first step. What a great opportunity to, to talk about the Lord and to pray for somebody. Andrew's a very good listener, and um, I, I can just kind of imagine that. It goes without saying that we have gone through a difficult time in this country of late. As a country, and maybe as individuals as well, and we really need God's truth to speak to us. We're going through lots of changes in the country, and we need to pray. And I'm just going to ask this, if you can come up, Tom, because I've come to the end, really. Um, you know, I believe that some of you have been saying, Lord, where are you in all of this? Maybe we've been rocked by the different news. We've had COVID. We've had all these various things happening. Maybe we've been rocked by it. But think about people that don't know the Lord, that don't know, they don't have the truth of his word. What are they thinking? What are they going through? And, you know, our faith does take a knocking sometimes. We have all sorts of things come up and we need we need God thank you for listening to this week's message for any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk